0: I was gonna challenge you to a pickleball match, uh, except until I heard that you were a collegiate tennis player. So I'm gonna pass on that. And maybe we'll try Padel because- I
1: I, I will happily do the Padel. I will say on the pickleball, one of the things that is both, I think great about the sport, but also intensely frustrating is, as I I believe I said to my partner when I came back from a recent pickleball game, I said, I literally just lost to an old woman wearing a cat t-shirt.
0: David, thank you for joining me. Glad to have you today. David, good stat. I got I to introduce you. Co-founder and principal at Good City Studio. Did
1: right. I say that right? Got it. No one ever gets my last name right. I'm I'm very impressed. It's, oh, uh, yeah.
0: I, right. Tried it a few times in front of the mirror. It worked great. So uh, listen, so you may be an unknown. Most of the guests I think we have are kind of known to our industry, but you may be one of the unknowns, but I, I, I think you are impressive. You're Ideas are great. I think your story is great. So I wanted to bring you on for everyone. Thank so, you. Uh, and oh, by the way, maybe a happy new year to everybody. This is going to be January 1st of the year, first of the new season.
1: Big 24,
0: so, ready. Exciting, exciting things, exciting things. So I got to say, when I when I found you, I think I saw a press release or a post or something on your new ballers uh, concept, which I thought was awesome. And mm-hmm. then as I dug down the rabbit hole. A little deeper, I saw the uh, Fiddler Club, uh, and I kept going. Then I saw your work with Equinox, and now you're speaking our language, and now you're one of us. So I'm like, I got to know who's the – I mean, I have plenty of my own crazy ideas. You seem to have more. So I got to know, who is David, this guy with crazy ideas, and what's in his brain, and how do you get there?
1: Appreciate that. Excited Excited to chat.
0: All right, so let's do this. So we first got to know who you are. Everyone, this is gonna be great ideas. This is gonna be fun. But first, I want to know who you are. How'd you get sort of into your positions? Yeah, Philly, I got that, and uh, collegiate athlete at Princeton.
1: Take us from there. So that's right. I played uh, tennis. Tennis, thank you. DNA, love it. Favorite sport, and um, was very lucky. I I I got a a job right out of college at Goldman Sachs, and um, I just did the finance thing for ten years. So. I started out as a little analyst doing uh, finance, and then I graduated into M&A, and then eventually into the principal group, the Whitehall Funds. And the whole yep. time I was there, I actually focused on hospitality. So I was the hotel guy um, at Goldman for a decade, and um, you know, really had an amazing run, got to work with every brand, every major company, every major private equity guy, and then 2008 hit. Oh, <laughs> and, yeah. oops. Uh, yeah, exactly. So. I ended up pivoting. I ended up at Morgan Stanley, believe it or not, for two more years doing very much of the same. And it it was at that point that I kind of woke up and said, you know, I got to get out of finance jail, and I wanted to do something very different. So, um, I uh, I I had gotten into endurance sports, and I became a very personally, yes, personally, I became a very serious distance runner and triathlete, and as is the case with everything I do in my life. I don't do things you know part way. I, I go all the way. And um I'd become, you know very into the not not just the sport but the culture. And as a hospitality guy, I couldn't help but observe the amount of money, time, and caliber of people that would would show up at these races. And you know, one of the most interesting things to me as as a hospitality person, someone who's spent so much time with brands and trying to understand brand loyalty. You look around an Ironman race and it's one of the few places in the world where the, a good percentage of the people have actually tattooed the brand on their on their calf. It's a badge of honor. You know, they do it in the military. I guess they do it in prison. They do it with gangs and then you've got endurance sports. So, I, you know, it's it's an interesting, you know, I, I, you know, no one's got no offense to any of the brands I mentioned. But, you know, no one's got Marriott or Hilton tattooed on their, uh, you know, bicep. Uh, and if there are, I'd like to meet them in pretty interesting uh, c- case study. So I had come up with this idea to do an Ironman branded resort. And I had actually uh, advanced the discussion with the, with the company Providence Equity that at the time owned Ironman and KSL, who were all good friends of mine. I did all their work as a banker and my mentor, Rich Weissman is a partner over there and they loved it. And so flew out to Kona and started to develop the framework for this Ironman resort concept. Um, I had just moved to Philadelphia And at the same time, a good friend of mine, Dean Adler, said, hey, I just was with Jeff Blau and Stephen Ross, and they're thinking about doing a hotel at Hudson Yards, and they think maybe Equinox could be a hotel brand. You should talk to them. And he knew about what I was doing with Iron Man, and um, I said, great. So I went and I met the CEO of Equinox, Harvey Spivak, and he sits me down in his office and I go through the whole spiel of you know Iron Man resorts and high performance, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, your idea is terrible. Mine's better. Come do Equinox Hotels for me. And I said, okay, great. And, you know, I, I, I kind of sat on it for a couple of months and I got a call, you know, I, I don't know if that was early fall, late fall, I got a call and it's Jeff Blau and he's like, so are we doing this or what? Where are said, you? Let's go. I, said, I, I Like, sure. But like, can I like, at least like discuss like what the package looks like and you know how do I, like I'm living in Philly. I'm am I coming to New York? Blah blah blah. So, anyways, that was uh, that was my entree from you know that was my escape from banker jail into uh, into development and brand and you know all the stuff that's kind of taken me the last really 12, 13 years at this point.
0: Uh, again, so I love it, and I want to dive into ideas. But that but that was who was that with though? Equinox was uh, related, right?
1: Yeah, so uh, so Related, yeah, the, the principles of Related yeah. are the owners of Equinox, and, right. um, you know, they brought me in to create the Equinox brand. What does Equinox as a fitness brand mean as a hotel concept? And, you know, at the time, it was me as a consultant eventually moving into a full-time role, and um, from there, working with a bunch of folks on the Equinox team um, to really... Tease out what does an Equinox hotel mean from a, on a white sheet of paper. And we hired, you know, a couple of interesting folks on the consulting side who do brand work. And we eventually hired an ops person and a design person and a marketing person. And, you know, um, it was really just an amazing project to work on. And, you know, I was there for close to five years and was able to shepherd, you know, the idea into a physical, you know, manifestation of what is now. The Hudson Yards Hotel, the, the program is remarkably similar to the very first thing we drew and, um, you know, and, and and programmed out. And, um, you know, what an experience to work with, you know, Stephen and Jeff and the team at Related. They're incredible. And, you know, the team at Equinox is just, you know, incredibly creative and, you know, such a powerful, you know, especially as someone who lived in New York for 15 years, such a powerful brand. I mean, I, I don't know how well known it is in, in some of the non you know, top five markets in the country. But I mean, if you live in New York or LA or San Francisco or Boston, like, you know, Equinox and you have a lot of respect for it. Uh, did, did it work? I mean, it's a beautiful hotel, 100 Yards
0: New York one. is a gorgeous hotel. And I remember the ADR was off the charts when it first opened.
1: Yeah. It, so, so, now- yeah. so New York is performing incredibly well. I mean, it is, it, it's generating the rev par that, again, kind of amazing when you look back at a model yeah. and you say like, wait, they're actually doing, what it was supposed to do, you know, we didn't just make those numbers up. Um, and uh, you know, it it really is kind of a, a a benchmark, I think, for kind of what new luxury is in hospitality. Yeah. Um, I believe it was ranked on one of the recent lists, as, you know, best fifty hotels in the world. So pretty pretty big honor um, to have that uh, bestowed on your property. And um, you know, as I was, and we can talk about kind of why I left and 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 when, but you know, as I was. Kind of helping gear that business up. We did have a half a dozen other projects in various stages of pre-development from sites that we had actually outright purchased or or, or leased or you know signed deals. And you know, obviously, uh, in in 2020, we all know what happened. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, kind of just just progress interrupted, and so you know, hard to kind of comment on you know why it's just the one because it is just a, it, it's a great property, and I've stayed there a number of times and. I make it a point to go and you know eat there when I can if I'm visiting New York. But um, you know I, I think there is you know there are legs to that brand, and I think it's just you know kind of a reboot. That's you know it's take you know as you know it takes. And I'm sure you've talked with many of your other um, guests on your 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 show here, but you know getting the scale in a hotel brand is not an easy thing to do.
0: No, it takes a lot more money than people think. Yeah, but but you do you think that even the one proved the concept? that you had of sort of the Ironman resort that people were devoted or you just think it was good location and a good execution?
1: I think, you know, for, from any, you know, from a fitness standpoint, I think, you know, it, it, it I, look, I believe when you look at the numbers and you could say like, look, look, it's Hudson Yards and you've got KKR and right. BlackRock and, you know, coach and BCG, and they're just going to stay there. Cause it's a nice hotel. But I, I really do believe when you look at the rates they get and you look at how they perform and you look at what the gym does you know, from a standpoint of you know the the number of visits from you know non-club members from the hotel, you know I think people really do make those kinds of decisions based on you know the caliber of the you know the gym. is there a pool? Is there you know an amazing spa? Is there a way to kind of eat clean and healthy but still have fun? Is it, you know a great place to be? And I think you know again, i I think the concept checks all those boxes. and I do think you know when we look at kind of the 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 draw of health, wellness, in hospitality, you know, surprisingly, it really hasn't been executed all that well urban, right? Everyone knows, you know, retreats and resorts and Canyon Ranch and Golden Door and the, you know, 8,000 other offshoots that exist now. But, um, you know, from an urban standpoint, you know, Canyon Ranch tried it once. I don't think they executed well, you know, Upper East Side, New York, it was weird. The one in, you know, Miami is now something else. And, it just wasn't quite there. But I think you know when you look at Equinox, you look at lifetime, they're doing it with residential now. And you know, I don't think it would be elite to see them try and figure something out, you know, on the hotel side. And it is funny because hotel guys have tried it. Marriott tried it with Renaissance and and club sport. And again, you know, having visited one of those in my you know other life, um, I, I saw the appeal of it. I think there were some challenges on execution that maybe you know, maybe folks haven't cracked the code, and certainly Intercon, with their even brand, you know, I had some, some similar kind of opportunities, but also challenges in the way that, that brand rolled out. So anyways, I've, I've said a lot, but uh, hopefully this is what you're going for. Uh,
0: No, no, this is perfect. I I love it. And at one, I guess you need, are you telling me that there's going to, there's going to be a Peloton hotel in my future?
1: Look, there's a Nobu hotel. So I, I don't know, maybe there will be a Peloton hotel. I mean, you know, no, but, um, I do think for certain for certain brands, I think you know they are able to make the leap. It's shocking to me, you know. Ralph Lauren hasn't done a hotel. I mean, you want to talk about a lifestyle a brand that can, you know, yeah, really you close their eyes and you just hear, you know, the Ralph Lauren hotel, the Polo Hotel. There's a Polo Bar. There certainly could be a Polo Hotel. So oh. I, I think there will be, you know, more as 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 you look at how the brands, you know, are like slicing the salami even thinner with kind of made up brands, it is surprising to me that you haven't seen more actual brands partner with the big brands to, you know, create, uh, you know, concepts that have a little bit more definition around them. So, yeah, so interesting.
0: You know, it's, yeah. That's a great point, actually. All right. So, why, so why'd So why you leave? So you were all deep and things are going great. Why Why did entrepreneurial spirit grab you? Why'd you leave?
1: Yeah. I mean, so a couple of things. One, I was actually living in Philly and commuting to New York on a you know, twice weekly basis. I was traveling all over the place, you it know, all the country, all over the world. And um, you know, I I was looking to do something. I loved working with the team there, but it wasn't mine, right? It felt like mine, but it wasn't. And um, you know, as the team grew, you know, I found myself just saying, Wow, I would, you know, I, I actually think I can do this, right? I think I could do something on my own. And and really for me, it was it was predicated on you know we had been doing a lot of work studying club and club-like concepts we actually contemplated do we make the equinox hotel private the whole thing like yeah. a like an early version of maybe what soho house is today oh, yeah. right which is basically a private hotel um and so we had done a lot of research i was out in san francisco i stayed at this place called the battery i was fascinated by it i went back again to see it and um you know it was incredible what they had done in terms of taking that you know the old stuffy members club and kind of turning it on its head and i know in, in, in you know in london there were a whole bunch of you know recent precedents with like the five Hertfords and the annabelles and the arts clubs that had already done that but in the u.s it was new right i mean you kind of sort of had core club but it wasn't really geared towards right. like the everyday urbanite right it was really more for the you know hedge fund masters of the universe types and um but but what struck me was there was a small gym in their basement. Uh, it was nice, like a hotel-style gym, and you know it was an upcharge for the members. And the the woman running the gym actually admitted to me. She said, "Well, most of our members don't pay the what it was at the time seventy dollars a month um, to 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 use the gym here. They go to the Equinox down the street, which by the way is like three hundred dollars a month." So I was like, right. "All right, wait a minute. Like, what if you had a club that actually had a great gym? Could you, you know, instead of charging?" 270 you know could you take the 200 and the 300 and make it 400 or 450 and would somebody do that and so that was really the idea of how my my club in philadelphia the fitler club was born and um you know uh i i remember like first words i wrote down were fitler club because i live in fitler square and it means nothing to anyone outside of philly but i can promise you the guy he's actually was a mayor of philadelphia he was a founder of The old school club in philly which is called the union league so i kind of i i kind of delighted in the irony of co-opting the name of someone who kind of established you know one of the old clubs um, love it disrupt and um and uh and just wrote out this business plan on a on a flight home from san francisco and and i was just consumed for you know basically a year and a half trying to get this thing going and and it was probably like a land speed record of of getting a project done from start to finish. I signed a lease in November of 17 and had a open facility in January of 2019, um, oh. at least the first part of the facility and open our event space.
0: So, yeah, so t- tell us about Fittler Club for those of us who don't know.
1: Yeah, so so Fittler Club, the best way I could describe it is, it would be, is if, if, if people don't know the battery, then I'll use Soho House as the reference point. So okay. if you took a Soho House, and made it to an Equinox, and then for good measure, threw in an elevated workspace like Anoya House. That's what the club is. It's 115,000 square feet. The fitness component is uh, close to 30. It's got a lap pool, a spa with some treatment rooms, a number of fitness studios, and all the other toys. The workspace is 35,000 square feet. It's a mix of office suites, private offices, and some um, dedicated desking areas. There's a gallery space where members of the of the of Fittler Club can actually go and, you know, kind of get kind of hot desk kind of seating at any point during the day. And then the club itself has 14 hotel rooms. We have 10,000 feet of meeting space with a 5,000 square foot ballroom, a, a, a room that we call the trophy room with a bowling alley in its own bar, um, a movie theater, like a proper movie theater, like Soho House style, um, and then uh, two restaurants and two bars. So, Pretty, and a membership.
0: Um, you have to be a membership to use this. A
1: private club. So initiation fee, monthly dues, food minimums, the whole nine yards. Yeah. So this is
0: your, and I want to know about Capstack and I want to know about all the above, but this was your, I get it. This was your membership uh, club, Equinox, Soho House, whatever. Meet your Equinox hotel, meet your hotel, meet your co-working. You're putting it all together in one building. That's impressive.
1: Thank you. Yeah. A lot yeah. of work too.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it took you what a year and a half to sort of get that open. Did I hear that yeah, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, we we raised capital over the basically summer of 17, signed a lease in late fall and just we we raced. It was pretty exciting. Do you lease the whole
0: building? That's it. That, what, are you the whole thing? Or is it a big no, we
1: we're, we're about 115,000 feet in a 700,000 square foot building? Okay. So Lubert Adler's our landlord, which is actually, you know, ties into our next project because they're they're my landlord again. Um so hopefully we're doing something right. Um, and uh, you know, D- Dean loved our concept because as soon as we signed our lease, he leased up the rest of his building and he leased it up, frankly, north of where he thought he was going to be course. able to, because who doesn't want to locate their headquarters or their offices in a building that's got what we have? So nice you job. know, we've been an interesting case study for a lot of developers and you know, even hotel, you know, apartment, mixed-use office guys who you know kind of look at what we did and say, well, that makes a lot of sense. And it and it, it, you know, it makes a lot more sense now with kind of the disruption that's happened in you know in commercial in particular. So
0: yeah, I mean, I should ask how you made it through COVID and all that stuff, but I want to go back to the cap stack. were you just friends and family investors or institutional investment? Yeah, like
1: it was I would say predominantly friends and family. Um, you know, we have uh, close to 130 investors, um, uh, but but two two main you know co founders, one was a Um, A very good friend of mine who had a fun call at the time, Admiral Capital, now Vero Capital, David Robinson, the basketball player, partnered with my my good friend, Dan Bassicus, who was actually a a longtime Goldman colleague of mine. So we've known each other for 20 years. And then we had another partner, uh, local high net worth guy who has a big money management business as well, a guy named Michael Foreman. And those were my two um, co-founders of the club.
0: How many, how, just how many of your investors are athletes versus just finance guys?
1: Um, I would say most of our investors are just, you know, Philadelphians who, like, yeah. were proud to see something like this happen yeah. in the city. And, you know, a, a bunch yeah. of them came in when I had a few triathlete and running buddies who came in. But the, the, the vast majority are just, you know, people who live in Center City who are like, the city needs this. I'll be a user, I'll be a you know, an advocate, you know, we want to see this happen. And so it was a very much a a, a Philly strong play. And uh, you know, why, why should we get the you know the, the leftovers from you know some other market or why are we gonna let some out of town or come in here and tell us what we should like? So Philly's a little bit like that. So you know the homegrown thing is actually an advantage in, in many instances until yeah, it's you, not you Philly boys stick together <laughs> until they turn on you and then you're <laughs> Then it's not so. Anyways, yeah.
0: So is this a replicable model or no? Is it one and done in Philly, and then we're gonna go do something it's else.
1: It's it's replicable. I mean, we've we've been playing around with with uh, you know opportunities in like all the major markets, and you know we've done as as Good City Studio, which is our consulting practice, about thirty projects for other developers who asked us to work with them to help create some version of a club, full club, club light fitness workspace, you know, even just like private to residence or even within a hotel. Um, but we haven't found the next perfect one that we want to go all in on and say, we're going to put our name and stamp on it until, until Ballers that is. So we'll, uh, I don't, you know, we'll get to I, that.
0: There's your, well, I think you just got to it. There's your transition. Unless um, you want to do something yeah. else? Tell us about Ballers.
1: So in the last, you know, really Four years we've been doing, in addition to you know, kind of some of the responsibilities we had with the club, um, working with you know, properties, developers, owners all over the country, seeing everything. I mean, we've seen giant multifamily developments in Texas, and you know, fancy resorts, and we did something overseas, and you know, as a as a crazy athlete and lifelong tennis guy, have been also kind of like tracking this, uh, you know, the the explosion of. In the U.S. it's been pickle, but overseas it's been the sport called padel. They call it paddle. We already have paddle in the Northeast, so we call it padel. It's very confusing. Um, But it's uh, for folks who want to go down the rabbit hole on a crazy like demolition derby version of like tennis, squash, racquetball, and pickleball, Google padel, P-A-D-E-L, and you know, your your Instagram will start serving up some fun stuff. Um, But you know we, we've been working on this building with the folks at Lubert Adler that it's an old historic power plant in the you know our version of Williamsburg it's called Fishtown um and the 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 vision for this asset was just how do you take this monster I mean literally it was, it was a coal power plant it provided energy to the entire city of Philadelphia and it's built like if people have seen the Tate Modern or the Battersea it's on that scale the and and so the team um, engaged us uh, to help them think through you know some of the programming and hospitality opportunities at the asset. And you know the the ultimate program was one hundred and thirty apartments. There's hundred and ten hotel rooms there. There's eighty thousand feet of office. There's a whole wedding venue. but there was this giant old turbine hall, which has from from the ground floor seventy foot ceilings and skylights and you know, I mean, it's literally like so voluminous. It's almost like its own ecosystem in there. And I mean, when you go in there, you're like, you know, I always say it looks like Grand Central Station. And then I was in Grand Central Station the other day, and I was like, it might even be bigger than Grand Central Station, and 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 just as dramatic, which is crazy. Um, and we just couldn't figure out what to do with it. And you know, Dean Adler, you know, who who runs Lubert Adler, had had just like you know this this just you know kind of amazing. Vision for like all the different things that could go on there, right? But it's like, you know, what do you you know, just because something could go in there? Like, what's the right use if you've got residents in a hotel? Like you know, could it have been some incredible experiential you know art thing? Sure, but then you'd have thousands of people a day, you know, right. on this you know residential complex and parking and access and all these other things. So you know we we had seen a number of groups, you know, express interest in the space. Um, for you know call it like sport or sport related uses and um, you know we we were we were thinking about well that's interesting because you know if you know the the sporting use is a good use from an amenity standpoint it's not super high density and you know it's 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 not crazy expensive to you know if for some reason it doesn't work it's not like you you know, built a, you know, a movie theater or something crazy that, that is like really expensive and hard to repurpose, right? It's just like yeah. open space and you put in, you know, courts and fields, like not, you know, not exactly like, you know, crazy high design. So um, we we had this idea around, you know, what would a multi-sport concept look like? And, and, you know, so many folks, I think today are going at this, like they're a pickle or they're, Golf, or their soccer, or their whatever, right? You know, I've seen ping pong and axe throwing and darts and mini golf. But we, you know, we really like the idea of you know the spirit of sport, and you know, in particular, sports that are social, right? And you know, right. the, the whole the whole notion of social sports really allows us to create something that you know combines, and it could be any sport. It will happen to have pickleball, padel, golf, squash and a field. So we'll have field sports all under one roof. We'll have nice locker rooms, but then, you know, the density of that offering allows us to actually have a great bar, you know, and a, and a cafe offering. And so, you know, like, I'm sure, I don't know if you, you know, what, what sports you do, but, you know, I know as soon as I, like when I used to play hockey at Chelsea Piers, we go out for, you know, wings and a beer after the game, right? My buddies who play soccer, they pack up their gear and they go to, you know, the neighborhood pub, right? So, that's what we're doing, and you know I've been playing pickleball and padel. You know, pickleballers sometimes even drink while they're playing, which is right. You know, not how I'm going to do it, but fine. And but they certainly want to get together and you know kind of socialize afterwards. And you and you're seeing this, you know, with all of these sports. And you know, what you if you've been to a top golf, it's basically like a you know a giant bar. And if you've gone to a five iron, you know there there's a huge hospitality component to what they do. And so you know we're really excited to to bring this concept of you know, hospitality meets sport, um, and 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 I, I I really personally like. I don't know that I've seen it executed quite this way. You know, all under one roof. You have big sports complexes like Chelsea Piers and the St James, but they don't really have that elevated design and the vibe. And you're not really like hanging out there. And it doesn't you know at night the lights don't dim and it doesn't take on a you know a pulse. And you know that that's kind of that's what we're trying to do with with uh, with Ballers.
0: So give me, again, the, there was multi, there was hotel, there was uh, everything in there. So give,
1: yeah, give me the, the building's back. got everything. Yeah. So 130 apartments, 110 hotel rooms, an event space, 80,000 feet of office. Um, yeah. And then, you know, we'll have our, you know, kind of social sports complex anchoring it. So, you know, anyone who's in the building will be able to obviously access our spaces. We'll have some break for people that live there in terms of discounts on court time or membership. And then, you know, uh, you know, it'll be open to the public. And it's, um, you know, like I said, kind of right on the doorstep of this area, of Fishtown, which is where if you're if you're young and, you know, you've got some means, that's where you're moving in Philadelphia. And if you're a restaurateur, that's where you're putting your first restaurant if you can. So uh,
0: I love it. So All right. So when is it open?
1: So we are going to open in the fourth quarter of 2024.
0: Okay, Under construction right now.
1: Uh, pre-construction, we're just pre-construction. finishing up our docks. and um and will yeah. the whole building be
0: open at the same time,
1: or are the, the other building, thing The is actually open, so we'll, we'll be the last thing to go in. Okay. Really, yeah, yeah, that's
0: the right way to go. You don't want to be first. Better yeah, Don't want to be first. Exactly. Let them go, let them go.
1: Yeah. So, so talking
0: because I'm fascinated also by, and I want to know what other concepts you've got coming next. But I'm into this membership. Is it like you? It feels like you figured out this membership model, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, for for Fittler Club. Um, you know, that is uh, obviously it's it's a private members' club. so right you know, and, and we've worked on like every different version of a membership club model you can think of, from the super high price initiation fee, high dues to you know, no initiation fee, modest dues to you know, like the you know high value right. low price stuff on the fitness side where it's the you know the ten dollars a month kind of stuff. So we so what, what what works? Well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, in, in in fitness, as we always used to observe, you know, when I was at Equinox, the, the high end works and the low end works and the guys in the middle were the ones that really would get squeezed, right? When you looked at Equinox and Lifetime being the examples at the high end and how quickly, you know, they've recovered and um, how they performed through, you know, kind of different cycles. And then you look at what like a planet fitness has been able to do on that, you know, high value, low price. And there are other brands, you know, they've kind of mimicked what they've done. Um, you know, it's the guys that, that just didn't really have any real identity or you know, town sports when they had you know New York sports and you know Philly sports clubs and DC sports clubs and Boston sports. You know, th- those assets were just really hard to maintain. They were big. They were big assets. You know, they weren't charging enough to you know justify spending the capital. And you know, I mean, Equinox and Lifetime, both I think to their credit, have been amazing and just like clean facilities, maintaining them, you know, and, and, you know, you can, you know, quibble over like, I, you know, do I like the design of one more than the other, but at the end of the day, you know, just impeccable when it comes to, you know, kind of creating, you know, high quality facilities and, 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 you know, the programming is another important piece that I think people will pay the premium for. And then you go to the other end of the spectrum, you know, planets, super simple, you know, what you're going to get, but again, they do a good job. I mean, they're, it's a franchise business, but they keep them clean. They're very simple to operate. They don't, you know, you're not expecting much when you go into the locker room. They don't do towels. So you're not dealing with dirty towels. And, you know, it's, 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 it works and it works for, you know, a big swath of the population. And the high end stuff works for another swath. And I think that it's that middle stuff that got squeezed.
0: Where um, that's interesting. Uh, where my head's going to is I'm just thinking I've got a bunch of friends in the software industry, right? So I'm thinking of SaaS, right? All their stuff is SaaS, software as a service. Yeah. So whether you're software or whether you're Netflix, whether you're Equinox, they learn those monthly memberships become pretty sticky, right? Once you start, you sort of never stop. Um, And so now they're trying to figure out where, what other places can you make that, I'm going to call it SaaS model. And here I'm just seeing all of your ideas have that sort of concept. You remember you write an initiation fee, then it's monthly or annual dues. And once you're in, you sort of don't stop and you continue.
1: Yeah, look, it's been interesting. I mean, even like Ballers is going to be much more, you know, pay to play. You know, you you want to book a court, you can book, you don't have to join, to do it. But, you know, I will say, when you look at some of the studio concepts that are out there, right, like Orange Theory, right? It used to right. be all a la carte. You buy, you know, a class, you buy a 10-pack, but they do now have a membership offering. And, you know, people, I think, always think they're going to get a better deal than they actually ultimately do when they, when they do the calculations, like, oh, it's only $300 a month. Well, I, I, all I have to do is go to 10 classes and I make my, you know, I make it back and like, how many people are really going to 10 classes? You know, they they think they might, but they don't. And, you know, so the breakage component of that membership model, obviously, you know, is what makes a Planet Fitness work, right? 10,000 memberships, most of them, you know, show up very, very infrequently, right? If obviously, you know, 10,000 people can't show up at a at a, at a planet fitness, they're only fifteen thousand square feet, you know, doesn't the math doesn't work, but uh, you know the model does
0: so David, I like it I mean, you're like a guy with crazy ideas. I gotta say the beginning, but so I like it. So Juan, I want to know what your next crazy ideas are. But even what comes first? Is it sort of the Lubert Adler coming to you? I get that in Ballers. I understand that, and then you see it. Or are you like, here's what we need. Here's what society needs. We got to go find this and make this work.
1: I would say for for me, at least looking back at the different you know the, the different concepts I've been involved with, it it really is more of 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 a you know repackaging and and you know rethinking of things that are already out there. So and again, maybe that's how how all invention works. I don't think any I forget what the phrase is. Nothing new under the sun, right? Everything's just you know a, a, a you know a version of something else that's been done repackaged differently. So I think that's. One of the things that, you know, has been, you know, if, if I have a, a, a secret weapon, it's just that I've seen a lot and I get to see a lot and I make it a point to go. And, you know, if I'm going to get into a pickle Padel concept, I'm going to go and see everything, right? I'm not just going to, you know, just try and do it without, and, you know, as, as a hotel guy, I was super lucky because I got to see, you know, every brand, every concept, every market. And, you know, when, you, when it's sitting there rattling around in your head for a long, you know, long enough time. You can synthesize it and say okay here's what i like and here's what i don't and you know maybe if we try it this way you'd actually have something that would you know would, would be differentiated and so you know i think a lot of what i've done up to this point has been has been a version of that um you know kind of how do you repackage something in a novel way and make it relevant to people today right because you know obviously a lot of things were built in different eras for different you know types of people in different environments and different markets and you know, I, I the, the best analog I can say is like, you know, private clubs have been around forever, right? But the first private clubs that existed were typically for men who were white who, you know, were of a certain, you know, religious persuasion. And that was it. So, you know, it's hard to go in and and and, you know, go back 150 years and be like, well, of course like of course they don't have women's locker rooms and fitness studios. There's no such thing as boutique fitness and, you know, they had like business centers because at a certain point, like that was what hotels had, and they just copied them. And there's like little carols with, you know, old PC monitors, and you know, like co-working wasn't a thing. So, you know, it's not like we did something so revolutionary. It's just we kind of took something that that we, you know, saw that people had an affinity for in a certain era, and said, well, what if we brought it forward and made it relevant to like everybody in the city today, right? And or at least like the folks in the city that we, you know, we think would 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 want to be a part of this. So anyways.
0: Uh, no, I love it. I think it's fascinating. And that and I might parlay this line of questioning into uh, you know, advice. I mean, I'm just looking at your path, right? And and ending up with the entrepreneur. Like it's so often everybody kind of wants to do it immediately, but you can't, right? You got to learn what you don't know and meet people along the way and figure out when to jump and when not to. So i maybe maybe I do the generic. What advice would you give? to the next generation out there or to your younger self.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, for for me personally, like I, when I look back at my career path, it's been fairly logical, right. Starting out in, you know, a a finance kind of role, like kind of, I I think it's nice at least from my perspective to, to have kind of, I wouldn't even say suppressed, but just focused on the, you know, the nuts and bolts aspect of like, you know finance and you know whether whatever industry it is but 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 just really like putting in the work and the time and getting broad exposure to you know a lot of different types of deals and people and you know situations and you know look I stayed at the same place for a long time I know there's a much more uh, mobile workforce these days but I think there was something nice to kind of having a career path somewhere and you know putting in that you know decade at at one shop that let me kind of build relationships and you know, kind of like organically increase my responsibility and, you know, a couple opportunities to kind of flex outside my comfort zone, but within the confines of an organization that was, you know, ostensibly going to like take care of you. Um, and, you know, very lucky to have done that. Um, you know, I, I still do think for, you know, again, for for the young folks out there who are starting out their careers, I, I, you know, I've observed this, there's a lot of impatience right now, I think. um I think people just want, stuff to happen faster sooner, get paid more, you know, be the person, you know, I I just don't think there's any substitute for, you know, putting in the the work and the hours and, you know, it's it's with everything, right? I mean, I'm learning a new sport for the first time in, you know, uh 40, you know, it, you know, 45 years, if I started when I was three. Um, and, you know, there's no substitute. You just gotta get out and like in this, this Padel thing, it's like, you know, every time I play, I'm getting better, but it's like, I look at the guys who, you know, I'm certainly of a, of an athletic caliber of some of the guys who I'm seeing out there just crushing it. And it's just, it's going to take time and there's no, there's no shortcut. There's no, there's no way to cheat it. You just got to, you know, kind of put the, put the work in. So that's my,
0: I, I think that's very well said. We see it a lot too, in our shop, especially, but you got to learn sort of the fundamentals and the blocking and the tackling and learn what you don't know. And oh, by the way, meeting the people Right. In the yeah. industry. And then, and then shockingly, the opportunities sort of come to you. And yeah. they're not big leaps of faith. They're, yeah. they're easy, obvious, no-brainer decisions. That's right. So, all right, give me, what's your next crazy idea? Once you get ballers up and doing, going, what's the next The, thing the, the, the next
1: the crazy game? idea is, 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 is 10 more ballers. And then, uh, and, and then we sell it. And then, uh, then I'm off on a beach somewhere.
0: I, 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 people. I mean, that's the thing, right? You build these these uh, ideas, these entities. You grow them. Uh, did Soho House just sold. Is what makes me think of that. So if you can get those things traded at big numbers, I love it. Let's go. So if I Let's recommend the SaaS membership model. Sticky.
1: Then I'll go back and do my Ironman resort. Finally.
0: what eventually, we're going to get to the Ironman resort. <laughs> eventually. Uh, David, this is great. Listen, thank you for coming on. I was going to challenge you to a. Pickleball match, uh, except until I heard that you were a collegiate tennis player. So I'm going to pass on that, and maybe we'll try padel because he-
1: I, I, I will happily do the padel. I will say on the pickleball, one of the things that is both I think great about the sport, but also intensely frustrating is, as I I believe I said to my partner when I came back from a recent pickleball game, I said I literally just lost to an old woman wearing a cat T-shirt. So that can happen in pickleball. It's, it, it, I promise you, it's not happening in tennis. And it's very unlikely to happen in padel, pickleball. You know, I think uh, it, it's a lot more democratic. So uh, I think I could, uh, you know, be out on the court with uh, with Andre Agassi or with uh, with with a no name, and uh, you know, be equally uh, either competent or incompetent, depending on what your view of my uh, game is.
0: My shared story: uh, my daughter started pickleball league at at her high school, and um, they had the championship game in the gym, and it was two senior guys against two freshman girls yeah I'll, I'll let you guess who won
1: yeah exactly I, I know who won <laughs> that's funny I love it yeah it's super fun
0: Uh, Dave this is great thank you thank you for the time Uh, come see me next time you're in Atlanta we'll, we'll check out some sites we'll check out some baller sites for yeah. you alright <laughs> make that happen I'm in thank you for your time I loved it
1: take, take care thank you